video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when Hello, you want to watch. my name's Justin McClure, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. And when I say this week, I mean, like, last week, because <laughs> it gives us time to watch and, you know, yeah. savor all this stuff. And when I mean last week, I mean, like... Whenever the Blu-rays could get to you and on time. Let's get serious. We're still catching up big time here. <laughs> I think we put we put like a whole new batch of stuff on the new release wall today too, which we're not even talking about right now. So oh, you sent me one, and I was week. so excited. Oh yeah, well we'll get to that <laughs> next week for sure. Uh, but this week there's a big one that got released that a lot of people have been waiting for, and I believe you told me you're sold out already of it. We got more though. <laughs> in the you did get more. Yeah, in the time that I told you we sold out. Now that we're recording, we got some more. So anybody listening to this, come on in for... The Al Adamson Masterpiece Collection from Severin. And so this is... I don't think I've ever seen a box set like this, that it's like one filmmaker, Al Adamson, and it's, I think, 31 of his films. And when I say his films, I use that very uh, generously (laughs) because I got this set. It's beautiful looking. It's like a big book where all the Blu-rays are in it. It's not giant like that Godzilla set where you're like, where am I supposed to put this stuff? (laughs) No, you can fit it comfortably on the shelf. And it comes with a booklet that goes through all the details of each film. There's some films in this set that have never been released ever that were believed to be lost films because it gives you all the info of like, oh, this was believed lost, but elements were found when we did the documentary. Oh, there's a documentary on the filmmaker as well. And for people that don't know Al Adamson, he's like the ultimate trash filmmaker. He did films like Dracula versus Frankenstein. I can always get confused because it's like blood, ghastly horror. The blood of the ghastly horror. He did a bunch of westerns that were shot by, I kid you not, Vilmo Zygmunt, the Academy <laughs> Award cinematographer that would go on to work with people like Steven Spielberg, uh, Robert Altman, Brian De Palma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has, there's an amazing western, uh, Five Bloody Graves, that he shot that's on this that has never been uh, shown in proper remastered widescreen anywhere, and it's on this disc set. But... You know, it's 31 uh, film, so it does carry a pretty hefty price tag. Yeah, it is a cool $300. I will throw that out there. But honestly, I think, I don't know what you think, Justin. You bought this. So I think it's kind of worth every penny, right? Like, Oh, yeah. And when you have something like this, you're really going to dig into it. Like, I think I've watched mm, three or four films already, and I'm just getting excited because he did a musical. He did a bunch of Westerns. I love Westerns. Oh, when I say musical, I mean, like, really low budget, like, (laughs) erotic Cinderella 2000 musical. But I have to say, they did shoot it in Todd A.O., which is what they shot Oklahoma in, which is like a big widescreen format. And yeah, there's like martial arts films that they actually worked with Hong Kong action choreographers. Like this is a penny pinching director whose productions were real low budget, but they're all here. They're all as good as they're ever going to look. And it's just a wonderful set to just like dig into somebody's career. And like I said, there's an amazing documentary on it. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you're like, if you consider that Severin put out this set, and if you consider their releases are like, you know, 30 bucks a pop for a Blu-ray of like a single film, you're getting 30 film, 31 movies here for $300. And they give it the royal treatment. I mean, I saw your video of you flipping through it in the book and everything. It is just a gorgeous looking set. And it is very limited edition. Severin opened it up uh, on Friday, but I think they may have sold out again. And they're like, that's it. We don't have any more of them. And I don't even know if they're available on Amazon or places yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm not so. sure. We were kind of concerned that we weren't going to get them in because it had come out a little while back. We hadn't gotten our shipment yet. But yeah, we've gotten two shipments of them. We are expecting more. We actually have more on order that our suppliers say are supposed to come. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't delay too long on this if you really want it. And I know they are. Yeah, they're not available on Amazon.ca anymore. And the used ones are going for $508. Yeah, and I know they are like, I think they, they're putting out a few of their these ones individually. And they might do that with a few more. But I can't imagine they're going to put all of these films out individually. And even oh, if they no. do, like, you might as well just get them all in a set together than buy them all individually, right? It's like a Jess Franco thing. You want to see the entire exactly. experience. Like one person's life and all the weird stuff he did. He was a real Godfrey Ho too. He would take movies from Germany, re-edit them, and like add sleazier stuff in them. Like there's an Uncle Tom's Cabin, an adaptation of it. 
that it was like a G-rated one from the 60s and they bought it in like the 80s and like re-edited and put new stuff into it. And like Sam Sherman, the producer of all of these films, does so many commentary tracks and he's like a huge like Hollywood fan and just cinema in general. So he's a really good talker. And yeah, this has like all the love that you wish every release had. Uh, The only thing that's missing is they didn't contact me to do some commentary on the action films. They always fail on that. I know. The martial arts one, like... They actually worked with, like, people that were just about to be famous in Hong Kong, and they used them as, like, stuntmen and stuff like that. And there's no special features on that. I was like, I I want someone talking about this stuff. (laughs) And, you know, that's that's just me. And, yeah, there's, like, Jim Kelly blaxploitation films. I can't go through all the stuff that's on this, but it's like, woo! There there is also an amazingly inappropriate family film on this set called Carnival Magic 2, which I quite enjoy. Yes, which has been released um, individually in the past from Severin. And it also showed up on MST3K, the new one on Netflix. They did one where they talked over it. But you don't need people making jokes over it. It stands up on no, its own. No, no. It's very funny. It's, it's you know, about a lot of potential animal cruelty in it. So, well, that's not funny. No, that's not, not funny. funny. Not but funny. it's not funny at all. But the whole movie is is really ridiculous. It's got a great ape performer. And, uh, yeah, so definitely don't miss out on this. Set. Don't miss out. If you're thinking about getting it, just get it. Even though that now, like, nobody has any money because times have never been worth economically. <laughs> and we're like, we want to sell you this $300 thing. I know, right? <laughs> But you know what? You're right. This is going to last you like decades, right? Even if you just watch one of these films a year, like, come on, this is, and especially if you're into trash filmmakers, like you said, he is like the apex of this. I don't even know how, what was the count? Was it like 2000 or 5000 that they made? Of units of I this. I think I think it was only two thousand, but I could be wrong on that. But I don't. You never know with Severin. You never know with these counts. You know what? Yeah, it's probably going to go up in value because they're not going to do a set like this again. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, you'd be able to confirm this. I don't think there's that. They've actually numbered this. No, set. they haven't. Have they numbered this. Yeah, because some of their previous limited sets, I know, like the Hemisphere set and the Blood Island set, they actually had numbers on it. So that was more of a like, oh, this is going to go fast. So I don't know with this. Maybe they just threw out a number to see what the interest was going to be, and maybe if it's more, they will print a few more. I'm not sure, but. Again, you don't want to wait and then find out it's gone forever and you missed your shot. So uh, another release that everybody's been waiting for because it never came to Blu-ray. It's Danger Diabolique, the Mario Bava um, anti-hero spy thriller. Okay, so is this Danger Diabolique or Danger Diabolic? Oh, I think it's... Is it Diabolic? Because I've heard it both ways and I'm like extremely confused now. Because I was saying Diabolique. And then somebody told me, no, no, it's just Danger Diabolic. So now it's now an I Italian know. comic book, isn't it? So I would think it'd it probably is, be right? like Diabolique, or that's more French, I guess. Yeah, that's more French. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I'm going to give it its European Diabolic. That doesn't sound Italian to me. I know, but isn't Diabolique like kind of like Q U E? Yeah, the that end? would like be Q U E. That's how I've yeah. always said it, but I'm going to say, keep saying Diabolique makes it, makes it sound more fancy. It does. It does. It's already, it's an art film. So, uh, yeah. So this is, like I said, hasn't come out to Blu-ray for ages due to rights issues. And this is its first iteration anywhere, I think. Yeah. It's been out of print on DVD forever too, but like, this is something where the colors, you know, need to pop and they show factory finally put a nice restoration of this together. And we also have, uh, Earth versus the spider, AKA the spider, another show factory release directed by mr big himself bert i gordon a filmmaker i've never gotten into his films and i'll tell you why it's because i don't like the idea of just projecting something big onto the screen i want like a big puppet spider like moving around Uh, even if it's like a stop motion (laughs) or like um you know like a big puppet on a miniature set just like it projected it's not as fun Like, that artificiality isn't there, the imagination. Yeah, that's fair. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was looking through his films, and I'm like, wow, it's crazy to me I haven't really seen many of these. Because, yeah, he did, like, Food of the Gods and Empire of the Ants, and I've, like, never actually gotten around to any of these. It's crazy that he is actually still alive, too. eh? Is he? Apparently, according to IMDb, I mean, it doesn't... Unless he died and nobody reported (laughs) on it. I think they would. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) He was born in 1922. He's also a filmmaker that, like, I know he has his fans, but, like, they're not that ravenous. Like, ah, you got to see this one. It's kind of like, yeah, Yeah. Bernard Gordon, he made movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Although every release that Shout Factory's put out of his, which has been a few now, they all sell oh, really yeah, well. Oh, yeah, because they did. So, oh, no, Kino clearly. did Jack the Giant Killer. Was that one of his? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was he him, He didn't actually. direct that one. It uh, feels like one of his. No, yeah. he didn't. I know, he didn't. He did, like, Village of the Giants. That's kind of similar. <laughs> No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we also have An Ideal Place to Kill being released by Mondo Macabro, an Umberto Lenzi, Carol Baker Giallo. Wait a minute, Mark. Isn't there a box set coming out with this movie on it? Shh. <laughs> is, is this in it? I, I thought think the box it is. set is a Severin set, though. Yeah, it is a Severin set, but I believe An Ideal Place to Kill is on it. It may, Maybe not. You, maybe oh, not. Oh, okay. Wow. Because, yeah, I know the Umberto Lenzi... Uh, whatever the other name uh, is, Carol the Lindsay Baker. Ba- Baker collection, yeah, is coming out soon. Um, we're supposed to be getting it imminently from Severin. I didn't realize this might be a part of it. I just guess I assumed it wasn't because of the different labels. Uh, maybe they're like fighting. It's weird to see like two things being released at once. I'm trying to look it up right now. And unfortunately, the Severin site, it has been down since like Friday. Yeah, I know. So what happened with them? I was, So uh, I think they were attacked with like a, a like an actual DD... Um, OS attack, which is like right. a targeted thing to bring a website down. It wasn't just like too many people were going to the website. Uh, so I'm looking it up right now on Amazon. There is a film called A Quiet Place to Kill in it. And this one is called An is Ideal Place same? to Kill. You know I, what? It may not be the same movie. Is it two separate films? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he has two films called Orgasmo as well, like that have been yeah, released you... in like different versions under that title. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It is two different films. They're just very similarly titled. Although they both have multiple different titles, too. I would be too, shocked so. if, like, Mono Macabre did release the same film. But they love to piggyback off of, like, big releases like that. Like the Shinya Sakamoto thing do. where they released Gemini. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is coming out now, I think, in August or something for us. So, yeah, I mean, Umberto Lenzi, uh, Giallos. Uh, you know what? I'm going to buy the Severn box set. But, like, they're not my favorites. Yeah. He's not that stylish. He's fine. Yeah, he's okay. I, I've never been that that impressed yeah. by anything I've seen of his. And these ones aren't even that like gory because these are really early in the cycle. So they're more like psychological thrillers. Which I don't necessarily mind if they're done well. Mm-hmm. But We also have Santanico Pandemonium from Mondo Macabro. This is a uh, very famous nunsploitation film that was previously released by these guys on DVD years and years ago. I know ago. this is one of the more popular ones. I, you know, we've talked about nunsploitation yeah, we're not recently. <laughs> we're not that big into it. Um, I know this is a bigger one, though. It's been selling well. Is that because so. we're not Catholic enough, Mark? Because, like, the idea is, like, people who love non-exploitation, like, were really Catholic, so it means something. Like, I was pretty Catholic as a kid, but I just kind of, like, shake that off. I feel no guilt or anything like that because it's all silly. Yeah, see, my family wasn't religious at all. I never really mm-hmm. had any religious upbringing. Oh, so that explains yeah, your I know. immoral I'm ways. Such a heathen, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I find religious horror in general doesn't do it for me that much. Like, even recent stuff that's, like religiously you know like there's a recent film saint Maud that's coming out that everybody really likes and i'm just like i don't know this religious horror thing it just doesn't like midsummer even stuff like that i don't know why it just doesn't really do it for me what about the death cult in the u.s you know the one that's currently in the presidential seat yes no <laughs> that's scary like real life stuff like that yeah i think when it's just fictionalized for horror movie purposes it just gets are you trying to say that uh, the christian religion aka nuns are fictional mark <laughs> yes yes they are <laughs> oh man what a controversial opinion on the bay street video podcast <laughs> nuns are not real so we also have coming from scorpion uphill all the way what like what is this <laughs> why do you get some scorpion releases and you don't get others i don't know because scorpion the thing with scorpion is they're good releases the movies they put out that people care about like lone wolf mcquaid they put out recently oh yeah um, i got that one the gates of hell i believe <laughs> got that one too yeah um what else the mechanic the charles bronson one they put all out. those dario argento films that they, they do like sleepless the card player the church you get like the single disc editions of them we don't get like any of those usually because they have an exclusive deal with ronin flicks which is a a website in the u.s and they only sell those ones directly through them so the only scorpion titles we get are like the 80s comedies they release or like like this uphill all the way i'd never heard anything about this movie (laughs) before it's you know this is a film for like people who saw it when it came out or 
uh, stumbled upon on television when they were a teenager <laughs> and have like a nostalgic attachment to it. But other than that, other than like, that, like I looked it up and I'm like, none of these names are ringing a bell. There's like no, I mean, what Burl Ives is in it? I feel. Like. <laughs> I am a big Burl Ives. Right? I mean, it is directed by Frank Dobbs, who I know did the 1972 film Enter the Devil, which I think Massacre Video put out a while back, which is kind of like, oh a, yeah, they did. Yeah, that's kind of like a notorious cheapo sort of like. Uh, satanic panic movie from the 70s um but like other than that i I don't know i I, is this something to recommend i'm not sure why can't you get this stuff from ronan flicks can't you twist any arms i would love to twist our because yeah we get asked for it all the time like when lone wolf mcquade and gates of hell the mechanic were all coming out our phone was ringing off the hook for them and by all accounts we should get this stuff but i i don't know they just they just don't want to deal with physical retailers, I guess, in the term. Maybe it's just more profitable profitable for them to do like a limited run of these, just sell them through one site exclusively and call it a day. It's probably less trouble, right? Like how many would you buy if you bought them? Well, for us, we'd probably do really well. I We would buy like upwards of 20 probably if we were actually going to get regular stock on them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I hope Ronan Flicks is I listening. I know they're not. I mean, it was but... kind of like a Twilight Time thing when they were still around. We tried to like, uh, we tried man, to I got get... my big stack of Twilight Times yeah. in the mail. <laughs> we tried to get involved with them for years and they just didn't want to deal with us. So so moving on to the classics, we got The Great Escape finally it's on here. Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. I, I Way the, past Father's Day. I put this list on the list and I'm like, haven't we already talked about this? <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did many times. Um, so it's here finally. Yeah, it's good. Don't wait. It's classic. Rush down. <laughs> Pick it up. Late Father's Day gift. You said you weren't a fan of this movie, I think? Or yeah, it's fine. I... It's it's there. I like it. It's entertaining. Yeah. It's, I don't dislike it. Yeah. I don't love it either. Yeah. It's got great young Richard Attenborough per- performance, though. That's for oh, sure. Oh, we got some more Richard Attenborough very young we coming do. up later we uh, this week. Oh, but, you know, if you want something else for the more arty dad for a late Father's Day gift, we have Tokyo Olympiad. Yeah. This is a big one, yeah, for sports fans and just film fans in general. Um, I've never seen this, but I've always wanted to. But it's apparently oh, one yeah, of the most. Because you're like, oh, five hours. I know. It, well, it's so <laughs> long, right? But yeah, I'm... Mark's more somebody who likes to throw on like Triumph of the Will if he wants exactly, to watch exactly, it. Exactly, right? No, wait, that's what a... is the one that she Lenny Olympia. Re... Olympia, that's right. Yeah, so alongside Olympia, I would say this is one of the more famous sort of artful sports movies ever made, really. But it is like a three-hour film. Uh, it's directed by Kon Ichikawa, who is pretty well known for other films he did uh, that are uh, a lot of like samurai films that he did. And there's other stuff he's done that's come out on the Criterion Collection. But um, But yeah, this was kind of like a big, big deal at the time for just portraying sports on film in kind of an artful way. So we also had the Grand Budapest Hotel being released by Criterion because they are legally obligated to release every Wes Anderson they are, film. They are. Um, I really hated this movie. I'm just going to throw that out there. Really? Yeah. You are like 0.0002% of yeah. people. <laughs> I know, I know. This is where my... This is where Wes Anderson just, like, died for me. This is where Wes Anderson jumps the boat! Not like the Darjeeling Limited in which... You know, um, I kind of like the Darjeeling Limited, I have to say. I mean, India being treated as a prop for three white guys to get over their daddy issues. I know, I know. Right now, yeah, it's definitely problematic. And I don't know if it would hold up. At the time, I enjoyed it, but... You know, I would I will say I was getting tired of him before this movie, like even, you know, Moonrise Kingdom or films like that. I liked, but I wasn't crazy. I just kind of like thought he was just doing the same shtick over and over again. For some reason, though, this movie aggressively irritated me when I saw it, like when it first came out. You're like one of those film bro guys. It's like Wes Anderson's overrated, man. (laughs) Throw on my Michael Mann. That's true beauty. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? I feel like it's such a common opinion now to say Wes Anderson's over. You're but... like, you know who the real hero is? Jared Hess. That's who Wes Anderson yeah, stole from. Yeah, let's talk about Jared Hess. I'm big Nacho Libre fan right here. It's awful. Oh, what? yeah. I just no, watched it two I days ago. I disagree. The only thing that's funny about it is the fact that, like, Jack Black is doing a really racist Mexican accent. I know. Well, that's the thing. I feel like... It's not right. <laughs> no. And it's so like weirdly um, paced too. You're like, oh, it feels so long. I'm telling you, man, I, I must have seen this movie like 10 times. I, I really wanted movie. to like it this time because I'd seen it in theaters, really wanting to like it and being like, oh, I don't like this. 
And I felt the same way again when I watched it now. I'm like, I like Lucha Libre. I like Wes Anderson ripoffs. It just rubs me every wrong, wrong way. I mean, listeners, by the time you hear this, I did an episode on the Important Cinema Club on Wes Anderson exploitation. So we talk oh, okay. about Nacho Libre in that. So. Oh, I'll look forward to that. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I know it's wrong and stupid, but like, I still like have quotes from that movie pop oh, into my head gosh. from time to time, and I like chuckle to myself. And you do them in a Mexican <laughs> accent. Obviously, <laughs> no. It's, you know, it's obviously like a very mid two thousands idea to have a you know a white comedian like Jack Black play a Mexican. Uh, I definitely don't think that's a good casting choice. Uh, and yeah, I mean the movie is definitely offside now. I don't know why it struck a chord with me when it came out though. I really thought it was like one of the funniest movies I'd seen. It's not. Sadly, we you know what we still have Dumb and Dumber. Now that's we a still classic. have Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. <laughs> That's not problematic. So, uh, moving on, we have The Golem being released by Kino, the 1920 film. And it's this week's Blind Buy. Blind what? Buy. So classy. Woo. I know. Well, after last week's choice of Think Like a Dog, I feel like, <laughs> why don't we, you know, it reminded me of the very, like, beginnings of cinema. So, Oh, I thought you know. that you were like, I wanted another killer doll movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was also partly that. So. Yeah. so I had never seen this one. Mark had never seen this one, even though it's a German expressionist classic. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most popular German expressionist films. It's definitely one of the at the forefront of horror cinema, I would say. It's kind Is of it? considered the basis of Frankenstein's monster a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. The golem looks so lame, though. I don't know. I, I like kind of the I like the look of the golem. I mean, he's... No one has a golem action figure or anything <laughs> like that. Like... Well, you know, they should. I would have a golem action <laughs> no, figure if I could. <laughs> You'd I be would, like, why I do you would. have this small Swedish child? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful... Crazy sets. I guess it never came to Blu-ray before, right? No, this is the first time it's been on Blu-ray. So it's been on... Kino has put it out on DVD before. And this like was a, a million times. <laughs> well, this was like a notoriously kind of lost in the public domain film for a while. And then Kino finally put out a DVD of it about, I don't know, 15 years ago. But now it's been like fully restored from like an original print that's kind of like the best surviving print of it with the full film and everything it's been tinted in places they've kind of redone the intertitles in some spots it kind of seemed and it looks beautiful it really really does it has all the hallmarks of german expressionism and um so if you're a fan of that like this is a must buy um and also yeah i think it was directed by uh paul Weg wegener wegener yep. i'm mangling his name who also plays the golem. And I didn't realize how much of a passion project the golem. <laughs> he loved the golem. He could not get enough golem. <laughs> I know. This is the third golem movie he made. <laughs> the other two have been lost, apparently. So, uh, But yeah, he was obsessed with the golem. Um, but he was also a fascinating guy. I, I didn't realize. He's maybe not as talked about as like Murnau or um, Fritz Lang or a lot of those kind of um, masters of the expressionism period, but he was basically a theater actor and then made the switch to film in kind of like the 19, early 1900s to 1910s, uh, made a film called The Student of Prague, which was also a big hit at the time and was kind of a, a basis for a lot of horror cinema going forward. And then when the... Uh, when uh, Hitler took over, he actually stayed in Germany and he acted in a lot of uh, in Nazi propaganda films. But while he was doing that, he secretly um, was aiding German resistance groups and he was hiding people in his apartment who were more at risk for being thrown in concentration camp. So he's definitely um, fighting the Nazi regime like on the sly while still, you know, trying to like pretend like he was part of the industry it, it was an interesting uh, and then when when the war ended he was one of the first to try and rebuild germany and try and get things back he was really active in paul in the political spectrum but why watch the golem when i could watch puppet master 3 where it actually has inanimate puppets fighting world war 2 not good question good question i mean you I... know the golem it's crazy that there hasn't been like more exploitative versions of this story and i think at the end of the day it's because there is no iconic rendering of one that like sparks the imagination of a horror fan right like you got nosferatu that's why you see that version in like salem's lot or you know shadow of the vampire or like cartoon renditions and did you read uh like canon announced they were gonna make a golem movie was charles oh, bronson 
Unfortunately, no not playing the golem. And the idea was going to be a Jewish guy makes a golem in like the mean streets of New York, and it like becomes oh, wow. a vigilante, like killing uh, criminals <laughs> and stuff like that. See, I like that. Why did that not happen? And in the ad, the golem looks like they had done like a maquette of it, like the creature from the Keep, the Michael Mann film. Oh yeah. So of it course, has kind of course. like the round head, and it's kind of like monstrous eyes and stuff like that. That's interesting. Yeah, because. It- it is really, it is considered such a forefront of horror cinema. And even I was reading the cinematographer of it went on to shoot a lot of the universal yeah, horror Carl films. Frond. And like, yeah, he worked with Fritz Lang. He did the mummy and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. So like the fact that they haven't kind of um, made any other iterations of this character is strange. There was a um, film that came out like last year, but it's another arty yeah. like A24 imitation where it's yeah. like a woman like creates a golem child. I want like a big monster sky like bursting through walls I and know, killing Nazis right? and stuff like that. <gasps> How amazing would it be if someone made it and, like, made it to go after, like, white supremacists now? That's the thing. I feel like it's more relevant than ever. And honestly, watching this film, it was really uh, spooky to see how prescient it was um, at that time. Because it was, you know, it came out in 1920. And it is is about persecution of a Jewish community in, in this ghetto. And this was obviously, you know, 15 or so years before the Nazi regime came about and really took over. But you can really tell that the fears of persecution were there, like much earlier. Um, they'd go uh, – writer Siegfried Krakauer goes into this a lot in, in From Caligari to Hitler, which is like – Oh, did a, you crack open a book uh, after watching the movie? I've already read From Caligari to Hitler. It's a great – it's a really great book um, and it really goes into the just how – loaded these German expressionist films are with like the anxiety of persecution and everything. And I mean, with the golem, it's just like front and center, right? Like it starts off with like the professor basically receiving a a warning from the stars that the Jews are going to be persecuted. And it just kind of goes from there. And uh, it's just really spooky to see in, in this time, like this dreamlike films that really kind of captured the anxiety. Oh, so of the serious and academic. That's what happens when we don't pick like agent uh, <laughs> Cody Barks. To talk about it, I'm <laughs> I put on my reading glasses this week. It was hard. So, uh, would you recommend it as a blind buy? Of course. Like, if, if this is, you know what you're getting into. This is not like a shocker or anything like That's that. That's the thing. This is classic. Uh, yeah, it's no shocker. The Wes Craven classic. No, of course not. Um, I would recommend this. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of German expressionism, and I just, I was, you know, I was shocked that I'd never seen. This was just one of the ones I'd never gotten around to for whatever reason. Have you reason. seen F. Uh, w. Murnau's Faust? I love that one. Yeah, that I love great. Faust. Faust is amazing. Really love Murnau stuff, um, and a lot of the stuff from that period. And I'd always been wanting to check this out. I'm kind of glad I waited until this release, though, because it does look as beautiful and complete as it's probably ever going to look. And some of the effects, too, are just, like, way be ahead of uh, ahead of its time, too. I love the kind of, like, paper mache head thing that comes down in one sequence. And sort oh, yeah, of like, like glowing you know fire and about. stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, man. I want my goal on, like, cracking necks and stuff like that. <laughs> I know. So was this a little too pedestrian for you? No, it was exactly what I thought. It was actually probably more grand than I expected it to be compared to stuff like Nosferatu because it was very stylized, like giant sets that the golems like wandering around and stuff like that. So that was fun. Just the look of the golem. I never liked it. It just, I want him to look cool. I want him to look scary. Like Nosferatu looks scary. Even the stuff in, it's the hair. It just looks so goofy. The, the hair's bad. The hair's really bad. Yeah. Like, the, why would you mold the hair into the golem? Like, if it was just, like, the head, that'd be I know, awesome. the molding, somewhere a lot, the molding just went wrong somewhere along the ride. Is it like, you know what, he needs a little bit more attitude, and they, like, put hair on him, they're like, that's it. 10%. So, moving on, uh, we're still sticking in German cinema for a while. Kino also put out The Love of Jenny Key, a uh, G.W. Paps film. Never seen Never it. seen this one. Yeah, I, I this one I don't have much familiarity with at all. This is a little uh, 1927. It's about a woman, Edith Jihan, who must flee her Russian homeland after the murder of her uncle. Yeah, I'm not really up on my GW Paps. I don't even think I've seen one of his films. Not even like um, 
uh, the ones he made with the silent film star, like Pandora's Box. Yeah, same here. He's the one guy I haven't gotten into at all from that period, but uh, I know he's as acclaimed as all the rest of those guys. But we also have Tartuffe being be- released by Kino. Ugh, so much German uh, expressionism. Uh, F.W. Murnau, uh, another classic that doesn't really get talked about. No iconic monster in no, it. No, and I haven't seen this one either, yeah, but I know this is definitely one of his bigger ones too, but it's more of a drama, yeah, so it's not really... For a guy who loves German expressionism, Oh, I know, I'm like, I have a German expressionist master here, and then I haven't seen <laughs> yeah. any of uh, them. Have you read From Caligari to Hitler? What about the Lot Eisner book as well? That's another um, classic tome. I don't remember what it's called now. Oh, The Haunted Screen, I believe it's called. Oh, okay, I haven't read that one, so I'm clearly not as smart as I'm trying to sound. <laughs> Listen, we're wearing glasses. We know what yeah, we're talking exactly. about. <laughs> we also have Billy Liar, directed by John Schlesinger. A young Englishman dreamed of escaping from his working class family and dead end job as an undertaker's assistant. I know this title. Never seen the yeah, movie. Yeah, I've never seen this either. It's kind of, I mean, I do like John Schlesinger a lot. Obviously, like, he kind of, you know, Midnight Cowboy is a, is a big deal. Uh, Pacific Heights, also a big deal. <laughs> um, Pacific Heights. Oh, yeah, you love Pacific Heights. But he made a lot of interesting movies. Like, I really like The Day of the Locust, which is kind of underseen. I Wait, think. did he do Marathon he Man? He did do Marathon Man, yep. Um, he did I've seen that one The Believers this was kind of his big, first big early hit from Britain I, I believe but Criterion had put this out on DVD years ago and this is one of the titles that went out of print and then Kino snapped up those studio canal rights so now they have it uh, we also have Morgan a suitable case for treatment being released this is the film directed by Karel Reich I'm saying that name wrong I think that's right he's like a famous German director. I've heard him described as like a big cinephile director. And I've never seen any of his films, even though he directed the non-Marky Mark version of The Gambler, the original <laughs> yep. one. And uh, his adaptation of the famously unadaptable The French Lieutenant's Women, which I remember reading Steven Soderbergh say, I could have, I, I, I cracked it. I could adapt this book <laughs> in the way that I would respect the book. I feel like all of our parents loved that movie. Though. French Lieutenant's Women? Yeah, I don't know. At least mine did. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, Parents are classier, and as we've already discussed on every episode, one of them is British. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep saying that. We should just make that a running fact that goes through. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's time for Mark Hansen's <laughs> mom, British Corner. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. We have nothing to talk about. Yeah, that's that. it. So, uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with this film, but I'm assuming it probably has never been properly released on Blu-ray, and finally it's being released by Kino for the first time? You are correct on that, yeah. this. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> this is like a weird comedy fantasy kind of thing, though, that looks really intriguing. Um, but I think Criterion, this wasn't a Criterion title, but it was a... Uh, Home Vision Entertainment, which was, like, basically Criterion back in the day. Home Vision Entertainment? Remember that? No? No. No? Oh, come on. So, uh, moving on, we also have Brighton Rock, the Grand Green adaptation directed by John Bolton, which stars a very young Richard Attenborough at his creepy best. Yeah, making another appearance on this week's podcast. This is a noir that has been, like, asked for for years i don't know what i think it was in the public domain for a while because we had some like bootleg kind of versions but people have been wanting a legitimate release of this for years it's definitely one of the most popular noirs that has never really been formally released Mm. have you ever read any graham green novels i never have actually i remember i dated uh someone very briefly who she was reading the letters between graham green and somebody else and she's like i just love reading people's correspondences i was like cool and like on the inside i'm like i don't even read one of his books she's reading his letters (laughs) yikes (laughs) uh yeah yikes gotta stay away from this as we've already established we are not intellectuals we are just posers neither of us read i read i read five pages of from caligari to hitler that's, yeah. that's... i mean you've read like trashy uh <laughs> like tell-all 90s yeah, books i read peter benchley's jaws and... <laughs> yeah better than, better the, movie, than the movie Mark Hansen. <laughs> put it on the, the book. only book i've read <laughs> we also have the sound barrier uh being released this is a uh i guess lesser david lean film is there really a lesser David Lean film? I feel like all David Lean films are just considered, like, big deals. <laughs> Wait, do you hear people talk about the sound barrier very often? No, not really, not really. But, you know, we do get asked a lot about the David Lean films that have never been released on DVD or Blu-ray before. Like so there's David Lean completists out there. I guess it feels like, you know, he's a fancy man or, like, a big important guy <laughs> when it comes to filmmaking. Yeah. So... You know, people need to have all of his films, I guess. I mean, David Lean feels like a filmmaker other than, like, Lawrence of Arabia. 
I guess Bridge on the River Kwai is like a real dad core classic as well. Yeah, yeah. But like Doctor Zhivago, is that like watched very often? I mean, it's rented all the time. His stuff rents like crazy. I I just feel like his filmography seems like a chore to get through oh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah but... it is. <laughs> so we also have Time Limit, uh, which is a Carl Malden directed film. Everyone's favorite big nosed actor. Yeah. Uh, this has an amazing cover of a guy like falling into barbed wire. <laughs> I, I always loved the cover of this. <laughs> and I hope like time limit. What happens at the end of the time limit? Is there an explosion? Uh, someone turns into a monster. Who knows? <laughs> he just has that like seizure kind of thing that he's having. Oh, on the and front it's like cover. a it's a it's a, a Korean War movie about a military investigator sets out to prove an officer's collaboration with the North Koreans. Yeah, I don't know if many people like this film. I, I don't, we've had this on DVD before and like nobody ever really touched it so i don't know i think kino's just seeing if they can get some extra bucks yeah. out of this one i mean they probably have a certain amount of movies they have to release every month right i wonder what it is if it's like 20 like do they have to do 20 titles how is this organization broken up oh it's it's more than 20 <laughs> but like like broken up into like okay they have some that are like not remasters that they're just old uh, do they do their own remasters they must right they do yep because i know like the Golem is not their remaster. That's actually a no. German remaster that they utilize. Yeah, I think a lot of the silent stuff they do is taken from another source. But I think with the Kino Studio Classics line, they do their own remasters. Um, I could be wrong in that. I mean, they all do say, like, new 4K restoration or new 2K restoration on the back. What's the point of saying it's a 4K restoration? Unless they release 4K Blu-rays. I don't think they do, do they? No. You know oh. what? The, you know the only Can you one imagine they did? the nightmare that's going to happen when they start releasing 4K Blu-rays? Well, they released one so far. You know what it was? Hannibal. Hannibal? <laughs> <laughs> like the Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, Hannibal. yeah. I don't... They did a 4K release of that about a year, year and a half ago, which sold okay. Oh, that's probably but... <laughs> why they haven't really done any more since then. Yeah. It was a weird one to test it out why on, Why do though. that? Why not like Lawrence of Arabia or something? I guess they don't own the rights to Lawrence of Arabia. And the problem with 4Ks is they have to like go and rescan the negative. Like It costs so much more money so, like, they better be able to sell as much at the time, right? Because that's the thing. If you read, like, oh, it's a new 2K remaster, that means they don't have a 4K remaster because it, co- it would have cost that much more, more money to do it. So we also have Angel, an Ernst Lubitsch film. Yeah, Marlena Dietrich. Uh, and Melvin Douglas, everyone's favorite. <laughs> I know. Dietrich fans really love this film. Do they? This is, like, a big one. Yeah, this is definitely one of her bigger, bigger films. Is it a new remaster, Mark? Sure. Definitely. Why not? <laughs> hey, Mark, you didn't get Western Classics Volume 1 in yet, did you? We did it. No, we definitely have it on order. We are all backed up. This is turning into the Kino Lorber podcast here, by the way. Since <laughs> yeah, this is like every the Kino single Lorber title podcast right where the two hosts are like, never heard of this movie before. Never heard of <laughs> any on. of these films. <laughs> we aim to please here at the BSV podcast. Uh, oh, I've definitely heard of Don't Drink the Water. What? The 1969 version? This is not the yes. classic... Um, directed and written by Woody Allen 1, starring Michael J. Fox. No, this is the uh, version that was adapted from Woody Allen's stage play. I did not know this existed. Yeah, me neither. Uh, But it does, and here it is, for the first time on DVD and Blu-ray. It's Jackie Gleason starring. Um, Yeah, I guess, you know, Woody Allen was more known as a theatrical playwright guy back at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he did play it against Sam and... Yeah, he's a bad man. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has just been long unavailable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it's Woody Allen, so you love him. Know. You can't help but loving him, right, Mark? Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> Put it on the on the. You know, um, <laughs> I'm just gonna write that on a post today. Canadian paperback. Do you guys at Bay Street Video still put like ratings on the board that's there? Yeah, the the ratings, the critics rating board. We, we do. Um, nobody's in the store to see these ratings right now. But, <laughs> but you still do so, Well, because when we open shortly, sort of, we I guess we got to be caught up. So, yeah, recently we contacted all the people that are on the ratings board and got them to put their ratings up. For people who don't know, we have a ratings board at the store, which has just all, like, 
the new movies that have come out and then we've got a mix of like local critics and then like really frequent customers and then some staff members who put their ratings up what for about it. me i've never been added to this ratings board <laughs> i know uh, we we don't want you up there yeah we uh <laughs> it's all booked up justin you know what we should get you up there because you probably see most more of the titles up there than anybody else does yeah probably uh according to letterbox i have watched 666 films this year oh all right we gotta find a way <laughs> we gotta get you up on that board and you know what? I've somehow been able to continue to function as a human being having watched that many movies. I try to limit myself to three a day. Okay, so how many hours do you sleep a night? Or oh, you gonna... God. I sleep a lot. I sleep. I, I actually sleep eight hours a day. Wow, okay. So um... usually what I do is I wake up, watch a movie, do exercise, and then I do work. So that's like Blu-ray stuff or researching or, you know, podcast editing. Actually, I try to do that in the evening. When I have lunch, I'll usually watch a movie when I watch, uh, eat my lunch. Then I go back to work, usually more technical stuff. So like podcast editing, updating websites. And then in the evening, I'll probably watch another movie. See, it's not that much. People watch more television. That Honestly, no, no. Like, I have no hate on that. Like, I do the same. I try and watch movies whenever I can. Uh, but that's a really good schedule you've laid out for yourself. I'm really, I'm really impressed by that. <laughs> oh, I, I rarely stick to it. Anytime I have a schedule, it's always so much more appealing to do the thing you're not supposed to do. Yeah, you're like, I know. Oh, man, <laughs> I'm supposed to do this. And it's like, oh, I want to be, I want to finish this book before I get to it. <laughs> Uh, so we also have, man, the Kinos never stop. Uh, the Caper of the Golden Bulls. <laughs> is this a made-up movie? <laughs> yeah, I know. You think this is a made-up title? Yeah, Kino's just making up films now to put it. <laughs> yeah, we don't expect people to actually watch <laughs> yeah. these. Um, so this was directed by Russell Rouse, who made uh, the Oscar, which is a film that Kino put out a while back, which we talked about, which was like a notorious flop at the time, but is now kind of like considered a camp classic. I don't know if this one is also considered a camp classic. I think people, yeah, I don't think people largely know what this one is, but it's kind of like an action heist mood comedy movie that came out in the late 60s. And we also have Cattle Annie and the Little Britches. Yeah, I think there was another yeah, word than britches <laughs> there. So I looked this up and this has really good reviews. Um, it stars Diane Lane and Amanda Plummer in her first role. And they play teenagers who join a gang of bank robbers that include Burt Lancaster. Uh, it was directed by Lamont uh, Johnson, most famous for Space Hunter 3D. Right. Uh, there are a bunch of fit titles that you're like, oh, I recognize that. Never seen it. But yeah, people say it's really good. And it was just released way too late in the like cycle of Westerns for it to like make a big impact. This one has been doing okay, though. We've actually been selling a few copies of this. So this definitely seems like there's like a cult out there for it. We also have Connecting Rooms, a film directed by Franklin Gollins about a fired schoolmaster, Michael Redgrave, who lives in a seedy British boarding house as a cellist and songwriter, Alexis Canner. Oh, okay. I mean, Franklin Gollins hasn't really directed anything. Is he someone famous? or? <laughs> I don't know. I think the, the main draw in this one is just the fact that it's Michael Redgrave and Betty Davis. I mean, but it's like late period Betty Davis, too, so I <laughs> don't know. So she's like... Hello, I guess because she's British and old now. That's exactly how she is. <laughs> uh, speaking of older people in films, uh, Love Amongst the Ruins, which when I looked it up, I'm like, George Cooker directed a film in 1975? Yeah, but it's a TV movie. <laughs> yeah, starring Catherine Hepburn and Laurence Olivier. Uh, an aging actress and socialite, Catherine Hepburn, has ended her engagement with a younger man and is now being sued by her former fiancé. And uh, Lawrence Olivier is assigned to her case, and I'm sure they fall in love and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. Good stuff like that. It's nice to see people, like, on the edge of death on screen. <laughs> yeah. I guess 1975, Catherine Hepburn, nah, she's pretty old uh, by that point. Yeah, they're both kind of in their twilight years. <laughs> twilight time. <laughs> yeah. You... <laughs> uh, we also have uh, Jenny. Uh, which is directed by George Bloomfield. Who's a Canadian director, actually. He, huh? Never heard yeah, of him before. No, I'm not really. He's from Montreal. He directed a lot of TV. He directed a lot of Due South, apparently. But this was one of the only American films, I guess, he directed, like feature films. And I think it's most... Um, it's most known for being the kind of debut or one of the big breakouts of Marlo Thomas, who is a big TV star on That Girl. Um, but it's also got Alan Alda... I don't know. It's cheap. I was hoping it'd be like the big breakout of Alan Alda. Yeah, I know. Oh, right? man, I'm, no. all the, I'm an Aldaite. <laughs> I think this is one of those films that like got some award recognition at the time, but now nobody remembers what it is. That girl. That's that 
title seems familiar, but the, I don't recognize the name Marlo Thomas. Yeah, it was a popular TV show in the 60s through to the early 70s. When do you think will come the point where, like, the generation who is familiar with these films keeps asking for, like, they just, it just ends? I know. Five years? Ten years? Yeah, I think we're, we're coming up on that point, right? Maybe maybe ten years? Ten? Yeah. Fifteen? And maybe wh- max? That's why, like, these studios are like, oh, we gotta pump this out I now know. before it's too late! <laughs> Nobody's gonna want these! I mean, I haven't seen Jenny. Maybe it's great. Like... Uh, I'm not going to see a film, an American film directed by a Canadian director. Gee, yeah. No, thank you. How dare he? I mean, probably couldn't get any work in Canada. That's why. So we also have Song of Norway, a film we almost watched for our blind buy. <laughs> I know, but you kind of talked me out of it, and probably for good reason. Two this and a half appa- hours! <laughs> like, this is apparently a notoriously bad musical from 1970 that's about a famous Norwegian composer who I'm blanking on what his actual name is right now. Um, Grieg is his last um, name. Edvard yeah, Grieg. Uh, but yeah, it's an American film, and apparently it was just a huge flop. Uh, nobody went to see it. Kind of killed the careers of the director and everybody involved. It's the reason that you don't like musicals that you only watch like bad musicals. You know what? I saw this come up. I'm like, wow, a notoriously bad looking musical. It's like supposed to just be like pretty scenery of Norway, and that's it. But then you told me how boring it's probably going to be, and I'm like, yeah. 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 I don't want to be bored. <laughs> I know. For two, I don't mind being bored, but for two hours, two and a half hours. Whew. Yeah. Yikes. So, well, it's finally out. So, if there's fans out there, time to pick it up. We also have I Wish I Knew by uh, Jian Zenke. I'm saying his name wrong, right? I think it's Jian Zenke. Zhangke uh, makes it I, sound French, even though yeah, he's a Gia Chinese Jean-Kay? director. I don't know. I, I might uh, be most famous too. for uh, directing A Touch of Sin and uh, films like that. Yeah, uh, really. I haven't seen this one, but I really like his other stuff. This one's more of a document. He does a lot of documentary work, so this is one of his more documentary films, and it's kind of just a portrait of modern day China. Um, his stuff is beautiful to look at, and this one actually had never been released on DVD or Blu-ray before. And it's about ten years old. I think it came out in twenty ten. Um, but nobody had it played festivals, and I think got a brief theatrical release back then. But nobody ever put it hmm, out. I wonder why. China related. It's supposed to be great. Yeah. So we also have Strike Up the Band. Uh, we're out of Kino Land, and I we're know. in Warner wow. Archives territory. Yeah. <laughs> no more Kino talking until next week when we have like fifty other titles to talk about. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a uh, Busby Berkeley musical that stars Judy Garland. I'm gonna leave this one to you. <laughs> no, I've never seen it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney are in this one. Oh, no. no. Okay. So this is like those Judy Garland, yeah. Mickey Rooney um, series. Yeah. And I guess Busby Berkeley is like the studios. Like, you got to direct some of these. The thing about Busby Berkeley is like he's famous for his musical numbers, but he directed like a lot of films that are super forgettable and bad. There's like one with it. It's like a baseball. It's like, let's go out to the ball game or oh, something really? like that. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. So are you not a fan of this kind of musical then? No, I'm not a fan of this kind of musical. Like uh, Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland, like putting on blackface numbers and stuff like that. No, thank you. Yeah, yikes. I mean, I haven't seen this one, but supposedly people have really uh, been clamoring for it, according to the Warner Archives podcast. Yeah. Hey, we sold out like actually right away. And then we yeah got a couple more in, but these things sell well. I, don't... I mean, it's something that, People that are buying it probably saw as a child. So there's like a nostalgic attachment to it in like the best form that they can get to yeah, it. I yeah, I would guess that's the reason. So we also have uh, Cannery Row, the John Steinbeck adaptation, which is uh, probably most famous because it has uh, Sven Nykvist as its cinematographer. Yeah, and Nick Nolte in it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, most handsome man of the year, Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah. Also directed by David S. Ward, who uh, we have talked, sort of talked about because he directed the Major League movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's no necessary roughness, but, you know. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) This was a film that was famously um, a flop when it was released and since then has been treated very poorly on home video. And especially because the cinematography is very particular, that it can get really muddy and washed out if not uh, transferred correctly. And the guys at Warner Archives finally did the film its due diligence, and you can watch it in its beautiful remastered form. And finally, Shout Factory put out The Road to Wellville, an Alan Parker film starring John Cusack and Matthew Broderick and Bridget Fonda. <laughs> we talked about uh, uh, Alan Parker just a few episodes ago. We did. Because you and said I you were a big fan, film. and then I made fun of you because I named a bunch of movies, <laughs> I, and you're like, I haven't seen I those. <laughs> Shh. Well, you know what? I've seen this one. What? You have? 
I have I wasn't actually sure whether to put this in the cult or the classic section. This is a weird film. I remember seeing this as a kid mostly because I had some weird obsession with John Cusack and he's in this movie. Why? Um, I don't know. I just really thought he was cool and like better off dead and like say anything and like those 80s movies. What about now? Do you still think he's cool? No, I think he's kind of a loser now, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what? But what about his like, you know, his politics? He's very oh, yeah, vocal no, about no, that I, stuff. I don't mind his politics. I just like he's, he does so many bad movies. He does so many bad action movies now where he like. <laughs> so you mean like that? He's a loser. But you do he, love him in a do-rag. I do love him in a do-rag in, in Arsenal, which is a great, great film. I, I love him <laughs> that in is these not action a great movies. Film. Just, I keep going to watch Arsenal and like I'll look on Letterboxd like half star, one star. Oh, and it's like, entertaining. Mark says it's good. I mean, Nicolas Cage returns uh, as his character from Deadfall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but John Cusack has done so many of these kind of bad action movies, and I do love him for it. It's just, at one point, I thought he was, like, a really cool and good actor, you know, from, like... Yeah, the guy who made Chris... War Incorporated, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I actually went to see in theaters at the time, so... One of the few. Uh, but, so... He, is he funny in the road to Wellville? You know what? Uh, he's just one of an ensemble. Like, so this does have Matthew Broderick, Anthony Hopkins, Bridget Fonda, um, a whole host. Dana Carvey is in this actually. Um, there's a whole host of people, and this was semi based on a true story about um, the guy, Mister Mister Kellogg of the Kellogg Empire. I can't remember his first name, but. He had a wellness clinic, I guess, in the – it's either the late 1800s or the early 1900s. So basically this is kind of a funny, surreal, comedic look at that clinic. A bunch of people go to this clinic. Um, and I remember being really intrigued by it as a kid because you kind of just think it's going to be this like dumb-looking comedy. But then, you know, Alan Parker made it. It's got like a really weird sense to it. Uh, and then I just kind of forgot about it until Show Factory decided to put it out. Uh, it's never really been released well. The DVD was always like a bad full screen transfer. So if you're a fan of this film, it's, you know, it's out now in glorious widescreen. Wait, but you've watched it. Is it funny? You didn't get to that part. <laughs> well, I've watched it when I was like 15 years old. So I thought it was oh. funny at the time, but I'm not sure how well it holds up. Yeah, it definitely has that kind of like smug arch like 90s it's got a bit of a, like a wit stillman-esque merchant ivory kind of comedy thing going on um i thought it was kind of interesting but i would love for people who are bigger fans of this film to chime in on social media or something and, and let us know because i don't know this film has always just looked really intriguing to me and does it have a cult like i don't know that's the thing i didn't know i don't know if anybody really because people talk about alan parker but nobody ever mentions this film I feel moving on to new stuff. Portrait of a lady on fire is being put out by Criterion. I did not see this one. Did you? Yeah, it's great. I, you didn't see this one, I guess, because people at the websites that you work for actually wanted to see this movie. So you don't get to see those. Yeah, see, I don't get I don't get the good movies to review. You know? No, I Do you get to pick the movies. Uh, no, I kind of like the way it works is like I get offered things a lot of the time. Um and it's a lot of like bad stuff here and there that like, you know, it's just like, oh, somebody's got to cover this. Will you do it? And I'll like, yeah, I'll take that on if it looks funny. If there's something coming out that I like ask for particularly, then I'll usually get it. But yeah, something like this was just like it's such a big deal before it even came out, you know, that like I don't usually there's too many other reviewers kind of jumping over this. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any familiarity with this director yet. I actually haven't seen any of her previous films, but she's somebody who I've been meaning to get into and just have kind of fallen behind on. So I kind of want to start back with her earlier films. As two white guys, we have nothing to add to all the um, criticism and praise that has come out around this movie. We also have Endings, Beginnings. Is this a Canadian movie? <laughs> no, this is the new Drake Dorimus film. He made... Like crazy, you know, that one with Anton Yelchin and uh, which everybody liked. Uh, he's done. So this is another kind of like indie rom-com thing that he made or rom romantic drama. Uh, it's with Shailene Woodley and I think Sebastian Stan, who was in Itania. <laughs> I love Sebastian Stan. Uh, don't you mean uh, Bucky, the Winter Soldier himself? I like how you went like I Tanya. I know. See, that's that's the only thing I know from is I Tanya, and he was great in that. All right, so we're gonna zoom through some of these because they're international releases that I don't think me and Mark will have much to say about unless you've seen some of them, Mark. Yeah. Uh, Budapest Noir from 2017, a murder mystery set in Budapest, 1936. 
just as Hungary was preparing to align itself with Hitler. Sounds like fun. Yeah, this is like a, yeah, kind of a throwback film from Hungary. It's directed by a uh, lady named Eva Gardos, who's actually a, she's directed a few films, but she's most known as an editor. And she's edited a few, she edited Barfly and like, uh, she she edited Valley Girl. She edited a few like bigger 80s movies, Under the Cherry Moon, the Prince film. So um, yeah, she's kind of more known as an editor, but she's, you got this really cool-looking throwback noir out right now. Uh, we also have uh, Chinchinette, The Accidental Spy. This is a sequel to the Jackie Chan film, right? Obviously. <laughs> the Accidental Spy. <laughs> no, in reality, this is a documentary about a real-life, yeah, a woman who uh, was a spy. Who, yeah, 98-year-old woman, I think she is, who was a spy for... Uh, who was an undercover spy against the Nazis, I think, and and she kind of lived to tell the tale. Will coronavirus movies be our World War II films? I think they will. Like, <laughs> w- when we're, like, 70, 80, like, will there just be endless coronavirus they films? Will. Well, I mean, we've got, like, what, corona zombies coming out soon from Full Moon? Isn't I mean, that, that came happened? out, like, four months that ago. That happened, but, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many World War II films do you think would come out in a year? Back then? No, no, like, now. Now? Like, that are being released now. I don't know. Because, like, t- talking, like, there's two or three every week. Like, it's crazy. There's definitely a lot more about, like, Nazi spy stuff, I find. There's, like, that's, like, a big thing, both in documentaries and fiction films. Yeah, I don't know. They just, like, I think World War II, there will just, filmmakers will never stop getting mileage out of it because it was such, like, a major event. And there's just so many different avenues to take with it, right? And I think that it's also because the Nazis are such an evil, easy villain, right? That when you're going against yeah, that. exactly. When you're doing right? a Civil War film, they're like, uh, I don't know, who is bad? The people who want to free the slaves or the people that want to keep the slaves? I don't know. It's the South. The South is bad. <laughs> yeah. It's the last war where kind of like the opposing force was a real, like it was unanimous that they were like an evil force that needed to be destroyed. I feel like any war since then, if it's been portrayed on film, it has to be more of a like whether this war was just or not, right? Like a lot of Vietnam War movies. It's not like there's any heroic Vietnam War movies. No, the Vietnam really. War was not just. Uh, yeah. So moving on. <laughs> We have Goldie, a precocious teenager in a family shelter, wages war to keep her sisters together while she pursues her dream of being a dancer. Yeah, this looks really cool. It's kind of like a New York City, like authentic from the streets kind of tale. Uh, it's from a it's from a Belgian director, I believe, named Sam de Jong, who made a film a couple of years ago called Prince, uh, which was pretty cool. It was about like a kid, a kind of a coming of age movie made in the Netherlands. Um, and this is his follow-up and it's a, um, yeah, set on the streets of New York. It's been getting tons of great reviews on the festival scene. Vice is putting this out. So it's kind of got like that, you know, edgy Vice quality that I guess they Vice look is for. like really bad though. Did you read those reports of like their, uh, organization where they have to sign a document that's like, listen, we're not PC. So you're going to deal with un PC behavior when you work at Vice, AKA the men will treat the women like garbage. Oh yeah. Vice is a terrible place to work for sure. Um, but I think with their, I mean, with their film, as they've gotten into film distribution, they're really trying to champion like new voices. I mean, they were big on bringing um, Anna Lily Amarpour kind of to audiences by taking on a girl walks home alone at night. And stuff Where did like she that. go? Has she been uh, folded into television at this point? I don't know. Cause I know like the bad batch wasn't as like, yeah, it didn't do anything for them greatly received, you know, as girl walks home alone at night was. Um, so I don't know what, what she's up to these days. We also have, uh, Home, which is a, another Belgian film directed by Fien Truck. A 17-year-old Kevin sentenced for violent behavior is let out of prison. Yeah, this seems like another kind of like kids aren't all right, Larry Clark-esque kind of movie that um, is being put out. Uh, yeah, the director, she's pretty well known for some short films that have gotten a lot of acclaim. And this is kind of like a big sort of breakout feature for her. It was came out a couple of years ago. It's just only finding distribution now through Altered Innocence, which really kind of specializes in these like edgy youth movies. Recently. We also have Winter Hunt, another World War II themed movie. <laughs> Is this actually World War II themed? I didn't even know that. Lena lies her way into the Rosenberg family home to get to a former... Auschwitz guard. So yeah, it is. Okay, well there it is. There it is. Yeah, it's yeah. they're kind of pitching it like a uh, international crime thriller sort of thing. So yeah, I don't know. International crime stuff does really well for us. So you know, 
international crime. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scan- well, Scandinavian and, like, all- also German, French crime series and stuff like what that. What does the worst for Bay Street Video? The worst? Hmm. That when you're like, ugh, no one's going to rent this. I don't know. It's hard to say because we have such a wide variety of customers, you know? Um yeah, I don't know. It could be anything. It's mostly just like documentaries. You know, it's probably documentaries. Yeah, unless it's like a mm. really well-known documentary. And you bring them in because you have a moral well, backbone I think it's, that you should I, have. Yeah, them. I think it's. You know what? I I don't really go by what. Pe- I mean, you have to in some way go by what you know people are going to buy or rent. But if something is like worth keeping in terms of a rental in the back catalog, I want to have it, especially if it's a documentary because. I think with documentaries, like unless it's like a big, well-known documentary, it might not get rented a lot at first. Uh, and also a lot of documentaries are, are going the VOD or streaming route. So a lot of people find them that way. But we do find like they do well in as back catalog things like people will ask for them the years down the road. And it's like it's nice to have those because at that point, maybe no one else does. Because they can't find them at the exactly. library, which is or where just, documentaries go and yeah, retire. Or there's like a waiting list of 50 people <laughs> and somebody hasn't brought it back. <laughs> Come on. I want to see. Um, what is it? Uh, 20 feet from stardom. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> so. uh the new season of Mark's favorite show has been released, South Park Season 23. <laughs> you know what? I am way behind on South Park right now, though. I haven't even seen this season yet. This is the, this was, like, the problematic season. I remember just reading about it. Yeah, because they did episodes about, like, trans athletes. Yeah. I mean, I'll be the first to say that South Park walks a really fine line. Um, I mean, they're, like, so hilariously out of touch, too. So I have like, to admit, I haven't ca- caught up with this new season. I think... My partner and I stopped watching, I think, midway through the last season, 22, because I think and it was mostly because of how fraught kind of the political situation was getting in the U.S. And it was just like neither of us were kind of in the mood anymore for like South Park humor about it. Um, I still do like South Park. I know it's definitely. I heard they did like a really funny run on like Chinese censorship. Okay, see, where like Stan's dad gets like kidnapped and thrown in the gulag, where like Winnie okay, the Pooh see, is. That's great. And... Like I, I'm definitely gonna catch up at some point. I just kind of fell behind because it's one of those things. Like at at a certain point, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm I've had enough of South Park for this particular moment. I need to return to this later, and that's kind of how I was feeling about it. But that like time. the episode with like the trans athletes, they like portray him as like macho man randy savage like yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's bad i mean they've obviously been pretty offside with their jokes especially about like trans people i know a lot of people had took offense by the uh portrayal of of bruce jenner to um or caitlin jenner sorry i should say um that they kind of riffed on for a while I wasn't didn't have as much of a problem with that because they were mostly poking fun at just like how hypocritical Caitlyn Jenner was and as a Republican and also the fact they kept bringing up the I mean, obviously, the fact that uh, she hit somebody with her car and that was like a big deal, remember, and she never really got prosecuted. So they kept having a running gag where she would always be in a car and she would always be running over people. And, you know, like, that's funny, you know, but I can see like, yeah, the trans humor the problem is these guys, they're like libertarians, right? And we all know... Ugh, they're the, the worst! we all know how idiotic libertarians are. I mean, it's are, easy so. to be a libertarian. You know why they're libertarians. I it's know, that's they're the rich. thing. So, and I think the time for that kind of, like, white libertarian humor is just kind of over now, so... What do you think Trey Parker and Matt Stone do, like, day to day? I don't know, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm, like, fascinated, because, like, there was a very short period of time around Team America World Police where it seemed like they were going to, like, try a whole bunch of new things. Like, I remember they announced, like, a Keiju film. They announced, like, a high school comedy that they were going to direct and produce. And then eventually they were like, it's too hard. Let's just do South Park right yeah. at the last minute. But then even year. when the Book of Mormon was blowing up on stage, they were big again then. I remember they were going to do a film version of that. And I think they had some other projects. Like, they were big again at that point. But then, I don't know. I don't know whatever happened to the film version of the Book of Mormon. It seems like that's kind of stalled. And, and I don't know. It just seems like they I would argue, part. like, in retrospect, probably the thing that I liked the most about Book of Mormon was that it was written by the husband-wife team that went on to do, like, Frozen and all that stuff. Right, like, yeah. Those were, like, the catchy songs. Hence, them getting together was Trey 
Parker was like a oh, great totally. mix. Yeah, the Book of Mormon was great. I really, I mean, being somebody who doesn't go see a lot of musical theater, I had a great time when I when I saw it on and stage. And finally, we have the one everybody's been waiting for us to talk about, The Legion, <laughs> a.k.a. Legionnaire's Trail, which is... Uh, a Roman Legion <laughs> film starring Mickey yeah, Rourke? I mean, I suspect Mickey Rourke's only... <laughs> I haven't seen this one, but I suspect Mickey Rourke's only in, like, five minutes of this, probably. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> it's also got okay. Biling in it and uh, some other names. I think Joaquin D'Almeida is in it. <laughs> uh, Joaquin yeah, Phoenix? Yeah, no, not Joaquin Phoenix. Um, yeah, this just looks kind of like a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked real bad. I'm sure I know you didn't I didn't. I was kind of gonna get around thinking about getting around to it, and then it just never happened. It is from a, the director Jose Magan. It's his first film, but he's a producer of a lot of like crappy movies. Oh yeah, I looked like so much trash, like stuff I recognize, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch this. Well, he produced the one-two punch of European Vincent Gallo films, uh, Stranded and Moscow Zero, which are both really bizarre and bad um but that's really you know all i can say about this well what you can say is what if i want to come into the bay street video mark how do i do it let's talk about that so yeah on thursday july 2nd so by the time they're listening to this it's our it's past yeah so starting thursday july 2nd we have decided to finally let people into the store again um, but we're doing it on a very cautious basis. So the way it's going to work is it's uh, by a scheduled appointment kind of system. So you have to come before you can't just come by. You have to schedule an appointment to come browse and you can do it in different time periods depending on how long you want. what if I want. see somebody inside and I start like banging on the door? Will you let me well, in? Well, there's going to be somebody case? at the door. There's definitely going to be somebody at the door who's going to be putting hand sanitizer on everybody before they come in. Also, you're required to wear a mask, although that's going to be like <laughs> yeah, Ontario so bylaws right now. Exactly. Um, and there's also going to be a maximum of uh, four people allowed in the store at any one time. So it can't go over that. But even before this happened, we were already going to make it mandatory. Like we already asked people to wear a mask to come down to pick up curbside orders. So um, we were already going to do this anyway. So, yeah, that's the way it's going to kind of work. Now, we are going to be letting people in potentially if they stop by. So if you just are in the neighborhood and stop by and want to come in. You might, you will be allowed if there's nobody that's already in the store. Like if nobody's booked up these spots, then we will schedule something for you on the spot. Can I be like, can but, I come back in 20 minutes if I give you my name and there's nobody booked up? Yep, yeah, yeah, we can do something like that. What if I start banging on the on the on the door again? Well, well then you're going to be banned for life. <laughs> banned so. for life. And there are people that are banned for for, for life from Bay Street Video. There are. You know what? I'm just kind of sick of dealing with like frankly assholes who don't want to follow the rules and especially at this time so like honestly it could just kill people don't, don't follow the rules please don't be that person that's just going to be like it's already stressful enough for us to try and deal with this for us to try and keep everybody safe both the employees and the staff or sorry the employees and the customers and we also <laughs> still don't have You're like our, i consider myself an employee everyone beneath me is staff <laughs> i'm not staff i'm an employee <laughs> You have to join the uh, army if you want to be a citizen. Uh, but yeah, so we just – and we also don't have everybody back on full working hours. So we're still working with kind of a skeleton crew. So we're trying our best. Just be patient with us. And But we are going to be starting this up on Thursday. All the details are on our website or social media pages. So just look there or and give us a call and we'll schedule something for you. Uh, and that's how it's going to work for the foreseeable future until we feel safe enough to – open it up more but i don't know with the way things are going i feel like it's going to be like this for a little while i want my adamson set i want my that's me banging on the door <laughs> i know <laughs> well, we'll take the adamson set which is like a brick and smack you over the face <laughs> oh and... yeah that's yeah it's, there you go you got it it's yours yeah, that's what our weapon will be the bouncer at the door is going to have a copy of the al adamson set <laughs> to smack anybody who's causing a ruckus. yeah but i want to put some honey on my face so it'll stick to it and i'll just run away with and then it run away <laughs> With your head being weighed down to the ground. <laughs> yeah, breaking my neck. Man killed due to poor skip plan ski. <laughs> All right, so until next week, my name's Justin Clue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. And keep on renting. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.